Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. We have a great one coming up for you guys. Eric Walker, you may remember this actor uh, if you had the childhood that I did and you watched the Ewok Adventure Caravan of Courage a hundred times during your childhood. That was the movie that uh, came out in 1984. It was made for TV, but it was right after Return of the Jedi and it featured the Ewoks. And uh, and then it was followed by Battle for Endor, which was another Star Wars movie. And obviously these predate... Uh, you know, Rogue One and all these extended Star Wars universe movies that we're getting now, there already was an extended Star Wars universe. It was the Star Wars Christmas special and these two Ewok movies that they would play every year, and I would stay up and watch them every single time. Um, We've got Eric Walker from the movie coming up here on Geekscape. We've also got uh, a few other things. Um, We can talk about whatever you want, Geekscapists. I'm checking your questions on the Geekscape Forever group on Facebook. It's a brand new group that I started up to talk with you guys more, not just during the show, but during the entire week. Uh, So if you guys are on Facebook, go to Geekscape Forever. That is our group where we can talk to each other. The Geekscape is right in there talking to each other and rediscovering their love for each other uh, because we've been here for 12 years, which brings me... To what I did last week, which was I went down to Podcast Movement, which is a giant podcasting conference in Anaheim. I don't think I can go next year because it literally starts two days after (laughs) Comic-Con and it's in Philadelphia. Hey, Lindsay. Lindsay, you can talk. I don't want to interrupt. We've got so much information. Um, Podcast Movement, you know, I went down there because Kelly Hurley from uh, Westwood One asked me to come down. She said it would be really great. And I was... I was cynical, I'll, I'll admit. Uh, when Kelly uh, pulled me out of the trash last spring uh, <laughs> after stealing hubcaps off of her car, I was like, Jonathan, what happened to you? Uh, I was depressed. I didn't know how much more of Geekscape I wanted to keep doing. She was at Podcast One. She was pretty much the spearhead of this new initiative they have over here of podcasting. And she said she wanted Geekscape to be a part of it. And so you got to thank Kelly Hurley for Geekscape being uh, in your ears right now because – Let's face it, I, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I think Kelly Hurley, we're reconnected. <laughs> I love Kelly, and I've known her longer than I've known you Geekscapists, uh, one of the first people I met out here in Los Angeles. So I went down a podcast movement, and I've got to tell you just how uh, reinvigorating it was for me to go down and see people very, very excited about the medium, um, an excitement that I had not had in a long time. And I went down, and I'll admit, on Wednesday... I was a little cranky. I was like, we'll see. Look at all these young bloods getting into podcasts. Maybe they've done podcasts. You know, and I asked. I asked around. I said, how long have you guys been doing podcasts? And I could not find anybody who had been doing podcasts for over three years. Really? As someone who's been doing it for 12, and many of you Geekscapists have been listening to me for that long, I was shocked. Immediately, I felt uh, like I had some cred. I'm surprised also because those tickets I heard were incredibly expensive there were people who hadn't even started podcasts yet who were who had spent several hundred dollars to go down a podcast movement just to research podcasting and i don't know if podcasting is the new youtube where people just want to get famous Mm. i met aaron mankey from the lore podcast on the last day and lore is phenomenal he uploaded his first file in march of 2015 and now it's going to be an amazon show and a book series i could not be happier for the guy because he was very cool and very nice in person, and Laura is a phenomenal podcast. It's not what we do. We do uh, we do interview podcasting. It's what I wanted to do since I was a kid. I wanted to be David Letterman when I was growing <laughs> up, and I went into college radio wanting to do interview shows, and here we are. 
Um, so I just found Podcast Movement to really cool. It was well organized. The panels were all incredibly informative and engaging. There wasn't one panel that I wasn't taking extensive notes in. And here I am, 12 years in, taking extensive notes on how to make Geekscape better for you guys 12 years in. So uh, there will be some tiny tweaks and changes. I love what we do so far. I really love you guys. And um, I just wanted to start with that. Also wanted to start with this uh, email I got on Facebook. It's a message, I guess, from our own uh, Miles Harvard up in Toronto. You guys may know him on the forums or online as Satori. He's been with us, I think, since the beginning as well. And I'll admit, last week, the podcast, I felt really disorganized. Really? <laughs> yeah. I Well, here's the thing. I looked up on Friday, and I realized that the eclipse was going to happen during our recording. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We cannot miss this global – well, I'm thinking like a, like an American. I'm like, global event? Just America. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we couldn't miss this this event because we're podcasting so I, I called Lindsay and I said hey let's get something portable let's go in the parking lot let's do it in the parking lot and I didn't even I didn't even know I, I said parking lot <laughs> that's when Lindsay and I aren't recording uh-huh. okay. oh jeez don't tell them that it's supposed <laughs> it's a, to be a the, secret the, the parking lot and I, I didn't tell my guest my guest showed up uh, Kay Bess who was fantastic and she showed up and I said oh by the way we're doing it in the parking lot so we can watch the eclipse and I got to tell you, after the show, I, I did not know what we had. I thought it was messy. I thought that it was there was a clear distraction from the eclipse, et cetera. And um, I was not feeling confident about the show. Oh, I thought we did pretty well considering we did it on the fly outside. Totally. It was I actually so, forgot. Oh, go ahead. I forgot about the eclipse because I was so excited about bringing my portable equipment. Remember, we talked yeah, about it last the, week. The whole impetus for your equipment was the eclipse. And you're like, I'm just happy to record I'm outside. Like, I got my mics, got my... We can record outside anytime you want. Uh Um, So I I look up, and on Thursday, I see see this message from Miles, and it says, I just wanted to say that I listened to the Eclipse podcast, and it is outstanding. Oh, thank you. Wow. Having the interview was good, but the backdrop was stunning. Hearing your reactions mirror how I experienced the same phenomenon was entirely engaging. When you go to Comic-Con, you're really showing us something that we haven't seen before, and that's engaging, sure. But a shared experience is so much more. I had no idea that it was so visceral. Anyway, award-winning is what I'd call that episode. Great work on all accounts. Oh. And then he wrote like a little under and he said, maybe some made me sound like 15% better looking than I am though. I could really use that on air boost. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Miles, I just want to say thank you. Uh, You're, you are very, very good looking. Sometimes I just click through your Facebook pictures. Uh, <laughs> Miles, you're a Geekscapist. I love you. And don't listen to Big Yanks who just jumped into the Geekscape Forever uh, group just to call everybody ugly, which was weird. I like to think of us as a mirror of ourselves, that whole community. So if we're ugly, we're all ugly little creatures together. And I love all of you. Um, so that's that's the beginning of our show. I loved it. I uh, also want to remind you guys that Ian and I did get to talk about The Defenders the Netflix series. I know it's a little late, but the Netflix uh, series has been out a little bit over a week. And Ian and I finally sat down. We talked all of the spoilerific details of the Defenders. So if you guys need your Ian uh, fix and want to get into all the nitty gritty details and how it compares to the comics and what other characters can be in Defender Season 2, and you know how Ian does it. He gets a bit obsessed. Uh, that is up on the feed. So enjoy. All right, let's talk to Eric. Um, I've been trying to get Eric on the show for a bit, and it hasn't happened. 
But and then you make him wait. He's been minutes. going through some shit. All right, <laughs> and, uh, and, and and what's awesome is like Eric. Like you were my friend when I was a kid. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I felt so sad when, like, first off, we won't even get to uh, you know Battle for Endor yet. But when you get trapped under the ice, you remember that when like, yeah, you look yeah, at the water, the, ma- the you, magic pond. Yeah. There's a magic pond, and if you guys haven't seen, this is almost a shame because if I'm like, if you guys haven't seen the Ewok Adventure Caravan of Courage, which you know, a you're gonna have to borrow my VHS, which I have. I have both movies on VHS because I'm not sure these movies are released on Blu-ray or DVD. They were released on DVD as a as a two-parter on one DVD, both movies. Okay, how long Back, ago was that? They're out of print now. I think it was around 2005, 2006. Get to eBay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with that is they're so out of print, you have to pay like a hundred dollars, one hundred twenty-five dollars for them now. And it's probably some scanned version, right? It's probably like a version that somebody threw onto, you know, like encrypted onto the computer, and now is like printing. DVDs. <laughs> it's a business. Yeah, and it, it's a real shame because I can understand. Okay, let's just be clean. I can understand people wanting to bury the Christmas special. <laughs> the Christmas <laughs> special was rough, but. As as movies, I thought these Ewok movies were really good, especially that first one. It's, it's, it's a great children's movie for sure mm-hmm. for, for young people. Um, when we were making the movie, George Lucas basically made it for his daughter, Amanda. Lucas, oh, I didn't know that. At the time. And she was roughly about the same age as Aubrey Miller, the little girl in the movie. And, uh, you know, he's basically what happened was he had a, uh, I guess now it's a, you call it a Manny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Lucas had a Manny. They were calling her a nanny, mm-hmm. him a nanny back right. then. And they used to tell stories and stuff like, you know, about the Ewoks and stuff. And she really loved the Ewoks. So George came up with a story and the actual Manny wrote the screenplay. His name is Bob Corot. Oh, wow. So that's how that started. And so. I, I mean, maybe he wrote it while getting, you know, seeing how, how it would bounce off of her. You Probably. know what I mean? Like he, he, he was telling her They won't story. admit this, by the way, but that's okay. I know the truth. <laughs> that's cool. so, do, so do you guys now. So. And how old were you when you made these movies? I was 14 when I did the, the Ewok movie. That's insane. Because, yeah. I mean, when you're 14, in 1983-84, Star Wars is the biggest thing there is. Yeah, it was a big deal. I knew it was a big deal. I hadn't seen the first two movies, but mm-hmm. of course I saw Return of the Jedi probably 10 or 20 times in the movie theater, even before I got this role. So. And so the, that movie had already come out, and it wasn't until after Return of the Jedi was released that this movie went into production? Or were they kind of starting to think, hey, Return of the Jedi is about to come out, we clearly have a winner, let's see if we can do something on TV with this property? Well, I mean, like I said, it started out as a smaller project for mm-hmm. his daughter, and originally we were told it was going to be a one-hour special. Okay. You know, kind of like the holiday special. Sure. And... Um, then it ballooned into so much more. And originally it was going to be on CBS, but then CBS and ABC got in a bidding war. Hmm. And then it went to ABC. So, so I mean, it's still technically ABC. ABC is still technically Disney. Yes. Disney is still technically, they own all of Star Wars. Like, let's, sure they do. They own this. Let's <laughs> get this going. Let's, yeah, let's start, let's start a, let's a start petition. A, there you go. Come on. Like, this deserves <laughs> to be, I mean, we all loved Rogue One. Like, I thought, I mean, it's got some wonky plot points because, mm-hmm. you know, it runs right up to... Uh, episode four and so it, it is a little weird how <laughs> leia in episode four is like we were on a diplomatic mission it's like <laughs> you just left a battlefield <laughs> like like we saw your like we yeah. we saw your corvette leave a battlefield um like a war zone and uh so there's some wonky stuff but we still love the extended universe this is an extended universe movie that doesn't 
that it plays nice with the with the rest of the movies. Maybe because it takes place before Return of the Jedi. Well, I mean, that's another uh, point of contention by oh, really? me, uh, by me and everybody that made the movie. Because uh, while, while we were making the Ewok Adventure, which at that time was called the Ewok Adventure, but it was Caravan of Courage overseas, it was actually a movie. And, oh, wow. Everywhere. And they released it in theaters? Everywhere. Only in America it was on television. It was a big movie everywhere. It was that's like insane. the number one movie in most of the world, actually. So, But... What happened was when we were Warwick Davis, the, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Wicket, everybody knows him. As Willow, and he goes uh, Willow. from Harry Potter yes. as well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as we were making the movie, uh, we were in school, and this, uh, the teacher of the school thought of a project for us to do for school to, make, to do like a making of mm-hmm. the movie. So Warwick already brought a cam- video camera over from England, and uh, Tom, Thomas Smith, the producer, and George Lucas rented us another camera. So we were able to do our school project, and when we were making the movie, I remember us interviewing the producer, and we and we were curious, you know, when does this take place? And he said it takes place about 150 years after Return of the Jedi. After Return of after the Jedi. he, this is what he said to us. And sure. He said that's that's why Wicket and the Ewoks could understand a little bit of English or basic or whatever you call it, and that makes sense when you see that they can kind of understand us, even though and speak a little bit. But then later. Like a few years later, I don't know, the Geekscape people probably mm-hmm. know this. There was a book that was written, um, and it placed it had Sindel Tawani in it as a reporter on Coruscant. So, Whoa. And he and moved. Sindel's your, your sister. My sister. Yeah. He, he moved it to like Three Abbey or whatever they call it, you know, so. Okay, so it does take, so, you, so there's two instances where it does take place after Return of the Jedi. Right. But. One person is saying 150 years, right? And another person, George, saying, I mean, or Lucasfilm licensing right. at the time, right, is saying it takes place three or four years after. It takes place. It. No, it takes uh, place, place before. Before a new hope. I, I it think, takes place, no, Oh, in between, I think a new hope and and uh, Empire, Empire or something. something like that. Yeah. Oh, and then after Return of the Jedi, she goes to Coruscant and becomes a grown-up reporter and this and that. Well, no, I, before, uh, right Jedi. before New Hope or right around there, she goes to Coruscant, becomes a reporter as a grown-up. As a grown-up? Yeah. Oh, so that... that they moved it, basically. Moved that it. book moved it to before all that stuff happened. Okay. Uh, where do you sit on it? I think it happened after Return of the Jedi, only because it would make sense, you know, why why do the Ewoks kind of have some fam- familiarity with us mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so right. that's and, what makes sense and, to me. And then Battle for Endor, what is that? what is that battle? Who are they fighting? They're fighting. They're called uh, Marauders. Mm-hmm. Is what they call them. I can't pronounce the full name. So right. And if you guys see like b- watch Battle for Endor, it it really ticked me off as a kid. Like that was like a major loss for me. In that, like Sindel, who is the main character of the the second movie, and Wilford Brimley, of course, and the crazy Ewok is kind of mm-hmm. un- kind of weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who I used to impersonate as a kid. Uh, he could roll his eyes around and stuff. He reminded me of like the silly Gremlin in mm-hmm. Gremlins. Sure. Sure. Um, but uh, in the second movie, you and your family like get taken out really quickly. Yeah, yeah. In that first battle. That's right. And there's a whole story behind that too. What had happened is, at the time, um, Lucas and his daughter Amanda again right. were watching uh, the movie Heidi okay. know, about the orphan girl. Mm-hmm. So he thought, let's have Sindel be an orphan girl and bring in Wilford Brimley. So originally, I was told I wasn't even going to be in the movie. The whole family was going to be dead at the right. beginning of that. But later, they kind of wrote me in it. And I was happy that I was able to do it. But um, when we first started the the, the project, uh, we were actually signed for three. We were signed to do three movies. You could we come ne- back as a ghost. 
I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> it was originally supposed to be a trilogy, and Lucasfilm got too busy and was doing other stuff. So. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. I think <laughs> they were doing Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. For sure. Uh, at that time, and a bunch of other stuff. So. And um, I just remember, as a kid, being excited to watch. I mean, because I'm watching these things in sequence, mm-hmm. and I'm maybe like six, seven years old, and Battle for Endor is going to come on, and I'm super excited and all of a sudden, it starts with some Game of Thrones level killing. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That was Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones. And I don't know if you guys watched the episode last night, but it was pretty intense. There's no spoilers on Geekscape. So that's what the, that's what the specials are for. But I'm, I'm, still, I'm still recovering from last night's Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> uh, I just remember as a kid seeing the, the family get taken out in that first battle it being like, whoa, 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 what? And you die in like a ditch or something. Well, I died in the hut. In the I, hut, in well, the I, hut. I, I, my but mother was like, already dying, and I carried her to the hut, and then I ended up killing one out of the two that were trying to get us, and mm-hmm. then they blew me up. But technically, they blew up the hut, you know? Right. What if my what if uh, my life monitor got damaged? What if I was still really hurt? Yeah, what who if knows? you rolled out the back? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Oh, so forget coming back as a ghost. You never see me die. No, you need to come back in one of these extended universe movies as, like, someone who may have some cybernetics. You know what I mean? Like, you may have some cybernetics. You're all badass. You're battle-scarred. You've got some Ewok fur here and there. You know, and you're, like, a badass. You're, like, you know, it's like the come, come with me if you want to live type character. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the badass who comes it's in. It's just trust him. You know, it's like, the secret is on Endor. It's like, what? Oh! Yeah. Like, we have to go back. And then those movies tie back in. Oh. Then you'll be releasing them on Blu-ray. <laughs> like, like, the, like that's the thing. Like, nerds have to have. Like, we have to have all of it. Like, we can't just even if something stinks. It's about right? the collection. It's about the collection, which is why that Christmas special was the gem of every combo convention, and it still is. Like, I remember going to combo conventions mm-hmm. in the eighties and nineties. The things that you wanted a fan for fan copy of was the Christmas special or the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, or the there was an animated X Men. Uh, before the cartoon came out, before the Fox cartoon series came out, they had made an X-Men uh, Children of the Atom cartoon. And those were things that were not released officially uh, or at least re-released in the case of the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And we needed it on VHS. These movies have become that. Right. And, like I, I am totally holding on to my Ewok adventure in, e- in Battle for Endor like – like VHSs, I know exactly where they are. Yeah. In case of a fire, I know what I'm grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of these things that you find in like a bookstore or something, and you're like, got it. Yeah, it was de- it was definitely gr- a great experience for sure, and and uh, making those two movies, and I and I wouldn't mind having some sort of a crossover. I would like to do maybe some voiceover. Mm-hmm. You know, if Dave Filoni ever hears this episode, bring me bring me in. I'd like to do some voiceover well, on Rebels or something. You've got a good voice. Um, you're a musician now. Which is insane to me because I heard your song and and then I read your bio and it was like he started doing music professionally in 2010 and I'm like what like only a <laughs> few years uh, and we will get to your music but um, sure. I'm such a Star Wars fan that I'm like <laughs> well speaking of that you know yeah. if you go to the Battle for Endor right. they had the witch in it which was like a night sister mm-hmm. so there really is kind of so they're kind of grabbing stuff from the Ewok movies if you noticed. And and, <laughs> the, and if you guys, I watched the whole thing on YouTube. You guys made a uh, making of yes, we you did. You and Warwick that 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 
school project that you guys had mm-hmm. is up on YouTube. It you is. I, well, I put I didn't put it all up there. There's actually right. over two hours worth of footage. What? Yeah. <laughs> so what I saw, which was about what you saw, seven was, to twelve minutes. Yeah, it was just was. a condensed version of it. And I put my music on that too. That's my music in in the piece as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, what I loved is like seeing Warwick Davis and you as like kids. Yes, it's like just like teenagers goofing around on a set where there are Star Wars characters walking around. Yes. You know, whenever you see a studio production of their making of, it's always, you know, it's it's fairly, uh, it's like really professionally made. You're seeing the cool stuff uh, and nobody's really goofing off. <laughs> and like as kids on a Star Wars movie, the first thing you would probably be doing is goofing off. Uh, what was the, what was like, uh, was there any time that you thought, oh, I just got in trouble? Oh, well, probably a bunch of times. I was a teenager, remember? Yeah. yeah so. well, what was some of the things that <laughs> I was made? probably hard to deal with right. at times. <laughs> right. Uh, and what was like your best memory of like Warwick Davis? Just his uh, his um, his wit, mm-hmm. his comedy, his sense of comedy, and it just didn't surprise me later that he had ended up in comedy and doing that uh, show with Ricky Gervais. That mm-hmm. life's too short. It didn't surprise me because if you watch, if you guys get a chance, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube uh, slash uh, Eric Walker uh, music and um, yeah, worked his just just his his wit. He would make everything funny. You mm-hmm. know, even if we went out to dinner, he put you know we'd be at a Chinese restaurant. He'll put a teacup on his head and start making jokes. So he was just always a, in a good nature, great you know, just a fun person to be around. He was a good friend. You know, we had a great time. That's so. cool. Um, how long did you guys stay in contact? We were in contact for a few years. I even actually went and flew. He lives in London. Mm -hmm. At the time, he lived in Surrey, England, just south of London. And I actually went and visited him over the Christmas holiday and the New Year. I think it was um, late 1985, and Mm -hmm. I was there for the New Year in 1986. I went by myself. I was 15 years old. I got on a plane and went over there. So That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, tell me about uh, growing up, because like you, uh, you were telling me earlier that you were battling weight whenever you got that role. Oh yes, uh, m- weight has always been a battle all my life. Um, mm-hmm. I was sk- really skinny until I was about ten years old. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I started putting on pounds, and I was pudgy and a little fat. And uh, then I got the Ewok movie, and uh, Lucasfilm and George Lucas asked me to lose thirty-five pounds to do the role of Mace Twenty. I ended up losing thirty. They were very happy. Um, and even during production, I started to put a little bit of weight on again, and they said, "Oh, it looks like you're putting weight on again." So I had to watch. I really had to watch what I was doing. I would go out and, you know, run two or three miles a day, and my dad would be in the car behind me, making sure I did it. So mm-hmm. it was like, just. Oh no! Go ahead. No, it's just it's just it's just been a lifelong battle, basically. Yeah. And what it, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to cast like negativity anywhere, but um, what what was that like for a fourteen year old to be like, hey, uh. You got to lose weight, kid, because I, you know what I mean. Like, it, was it damaging? Was it? Uh, what do you think? Uh, did you? Did you? Did it make, give you a complex? Is, I mean, this is something you battled with your entire life. At that time, I was younger, so I'd only mm-hmm. battled with it for like about three or four years. But um, no, it didn't give me a complex. Uh, I knew I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, it motivated me even to be an actor um, in many different ways. Because before I even became an actor, when I was in grade school, when I was much younger, I was kind of a bully. And oh, I, really? I would bully people, and I had kind of my grades weren't that good. Like I, prior to 10? Prior to 10. Wow. And I would bully people, and I got like a, a D. I would always get Ds and Fs in school. And then once I became an actor, you know, to be an actor when you're a child, you have to get a work permit. 
So it kind of forced me into getting better grades. Right. So otherwise I couldn't work as an actor. So actor, getting into acting, I think, saved me Mm -hmm. for sure from moving to a different level I could have moved to. Right. And you, I mean, it added focus Mm -hmm. and self-discipline and exactly um was it something that you continued to carry on how long much longer did you continue was acting a passion for you i i continued acting i did a bunch of other parts even after the ewok movies i was in a a, a disney movie mm-hmm. of, of the week with mickey rooney called oh, really? little spies yeah <laughs> and uh i also <laughs> which mickey is another rooney. connection yeah uh-huh. it's insane yeah so and i also did uh, i was in less than zero i was robert downey jr's brother little that's a brother. hardcore movie yes it is that's it a really is. hard I mean, that's a drug movie it is but i was uh, i was like 17 at the time so i was his younger brother and there were you know i ended up with only one scene in the movie mm-hmm. which was a very dramatic scene we get in a fight and i kind of beat him up so i could always tell people now that i beat up iron man oh yeah <laughs> and, and you'll do it again yeah <laughs> when you show up with your cybernetic eye or whatever yeah, there you you're go. gonna do in this new star wars movie there you go you know this guy who like lived in the wilds of e of like endor, endor right Force you know movie. you know putting he's this is what he's doing okay I'm, i've got the whole character <laughs> parts of the second death star clearly fall into like fall on Endor because of the gravitational pull, right? And you have a bunch of debris and stuff from an exploding sure. freaking Death Star. And there's, so there's all sorts of like electronics, cybernetics, pieces of a freaking Death Star laying around the forest moon. And you got this guy who's like living underground, right? Like he's trying to just trying to survive. Part of his body's <laughs> all messed up. So he's taking pieces of the Death Star and he's like grafting them onto himself and he's turning himself into like this cybernetic half-human half like death star weapon mm-hmm. thing that's where that's where we're starting on that we're starting you on go. that you're part okay. death star part human that's what we're starting with <laughs> there you go i don't know where it goes from there i don't know but we're gonna get it the Lucas right? writers write it yeah 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 nub nub isn't gonna be a joke anymore yeah. when you see this character <laughs> nub nub's gonna be a death cry all <laughs> right as it, as it was for me as a kid i was no i wasn't scared of the ewoks i think my brother paul was scared of the ewoks i know he was scared of gremlins uh, was he, yeah, maybe Alf. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, you're in these films, um, and then after a while, like, what is it? Like, you get into your 20s, and you're like, you know what? I actually continued working a little mm-hmm. bit. I did a movie with uh, called And You Thought Your Parents Were Weird. What is that? And it's it's out. It's You could see it on Amazon if you want to check it out. Um, it was the same people that were making the Leprechaun movies at the time with Warwick. Sure. It's funny we had another connection. I forgot he was in, I mean, how could I forget he was in the Leprechaun <laughs> movies? I totally forgot he was in the Leprechaun. I mean, I, I sometimes, I'm sorry, Matt Kelly, host of the Horror Movie Night podcast. Sometimes I forget the Leprechaun movies exist. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, so I did that crazy. movie, and that movie was about, uh, about uh, these two kids who invent this robot and the spirit of their father, who's dead, comes oh, inside the robot. Oh, it's, God. it's, uh, it had Marsha Strassman from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Uh-huh. It had Alan Thicke in it. Love and uh, I was uh, one of the one of the kids at the school that was back to bullying. But, <laughs> and how old were you when you made that movie? Uh, I was playing someone in high school, but I was probably twenty, twenty-one. I looked younger. And the bullying thing, like, what is that about? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, you're like the nicest dude. Like, and and I mean, but like, where do you think that came from? Being a bully that early. I don't know. I mean, I know my brother used to always beat me up, and he was uh-huh. eight years older than me. Wow. So he That's always like twist my arm. A barrel. Yeah, so, I mean, I could pull from that experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fun movie, and I did that around 91, 92. Okay. Then, I, uh, for, then I produced a movie called Miracle Alley, which I actually act in as well. 
And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's a short film. Mm-hmm. And um, what I do after that. After that, I kind of moved away from acting and kind of got into directing. And I was directing a lot of uh, uh, documentaries for a while. I actually won a couple awards. I did a movie called uh, in Canada called The Melashenkos, uh, God's Leading Through the Generations. And it's about this family that migrates from the Ukraine into Canada and about how God's been in their life for four generations and how the it's a it's a good but they're singers too so they're mm-hmm. famous they're famous the Meloshenko singers are very famous in the christian community so well and it was is christianity something you've had your entire life yeah i've i'm a born-again christian mm-hmm. so yeah i've always uh, you know been been a christian um i've studied other religions and what's what's interesting to me is i i, I see a little bit of god and i see in every single religion mm-hmm. and they're all very similar so could it be that, uh, you know, in that part of the world, that's their God? You know what I mean? It's, you know, and then one day, you know, if you really believe in the rapture, when that happens, we're all going to become one church. Well, not Lindsay. Not Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, if you believe that. Lindsay so. will. Probably not me. I mean, I, I mean, there's an idea that this was all, these are all iterations of the same story. Like, do you they be- seem do like you, that. Do you believe that maybe we all go back to the same center? I believe that. I believe in the Bible. It talks about when Jesus, uh, not to get off topic no, since we're talking about this Geekscape. Is all, this, I mean, but it's all, this is all, this is Geekscape. Okay. This but, is all Geekscape. But in the Bible, it's very clear that when Jesus comes back, he t- says everybody has to go into one church. Right. His church. So I don't think Jesus will not let Buddhists come in. I don't mm-hmm. think Jesus will not let Muslims come in. I think that, I do definitely believe that. And I'm not, a, and I don't want to offend anybody out there, but I'm not a Bible thumper. I don't try to interpret the Bible the way I need it to to make sense for me or the way I need it to to make a point. Mm-hmm. I just I literally take it exactly as it's written and that's how I am. So. Right. And what do you think like when at Comic-Con we have the the people who come with the signs and say that comics are, you know, superheroes are false gods and sinners and this and that. You've no. seen the protesters and things I've like that. I've seen a few a little bit of it. What do you but- think of people who who do take the the message in twisted that, that's not that's not god that's not mm-hmm. for me no they're, they're again that's somebody that's trying to take it and, and fit into their own little world what could that's, their end goal even be i mean cuz if it, if i mean i think i think the clearest mm-hmm. and i'm not a religious person but okay. in, in in observing multiple religions it's mm-hmm. every single one seems to be a message of unity and love exactly and and you have these people yeah, who right. Are doing the exact opposite, right? And preach protesting hate, at places racism, yeah. like Comic Con, mm-hmm. where we're just celebrating unity and love. I mean, we have Twilight fans up against Harry Potter fans, you know. And I mean, they had a High School Musical at Comic Con one day, and you know, <laughs> it, we, we accepted it. Okay, it wasn't easy, but we accepted <laughs> that. Uh, <and laughs> I think Shay, our own Shane, the host of our Geekscape Games podcast, has a story about he got yelled at by a Twilight fan when Twilight was really big. Twilight basically took over comic-con and oh, really? we were crossing the street and i remember i think she misheard shane and just started yelling at him but maybe she didn't miss her hear shane it's shane uh as you gayscape us know but um it, it it just seems counterproductive it is and you know there's always going to be fanatics out there there's always going to be people people that are you know a little crazy mm-hmm. so i mean you know this is the world we live in and I mean, we could talk for the next hour about how nuts people are, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes it's chemical, you know, and sometimes it's just they're just crazy. So. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, I mean, yeah. obviously there's a greed element to a lot of this as well, or it's like, hey, divide and conquer or sure. or sell something. Sure. You know, let's sell, let's, 
you can if you have someone imbalanced i think if mm-hmm. i think i think there's there's something going on where you're trying to imbalance the listener you're trying to imbalance the audience and keep right. them uh imbalanced so that they feel that they have a need in their life you know and I, exactly and, and that's that's like, the trap that's like the that's, fear-mongering right. that, we, that's that we've it, been exactly. victims to the fear-mongering right. of oh the whole world's gonna end because donald trump's president you know, right so, yeah. if this is gonna end or post 9-11 is gonna end mm-hmm. and it, it creates the this the, the divisiveness that we've seen recently and people saying okay well what's the solution how do we how do we survive mm. this and it's every man for himself and every man for himself finds their own solution and you have people just opening the gates to someone who is scared or right. hungry and they fall prey to this i think sure. i mean right now as we're writing the as we're doing this episode my home state of texas is like underwater i know i know and my my wife uh New, uh, a lot of her family lives in Houston. So, wow. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing is the message that we want. Mm-hmm. And even now it's being turned a little bit by people in power to, to, to be used. But in seeing people unite and you see people from Louisiana, you see people from Mexico, mm-hmm. you see people from all around going to the Gulf of Texas and trying to save people. Like, I think that's the message. That's the no, answer to hap- something like Charlottesville. Exactly. What's happening in Texas right now is beautiful, and it makes you proud to be an American. I mean, to see, you know, on a human it, level, not on an ecological <laughs> level. Please. Yeah, right. But <laughs> that's uh, horrible. To, to but, see people, yeah. he- to see people helping people, bringing their boats out, coming hundreds of miles away with their boats, and you know that that's beautiful to see them. It's terrible that it's happening to them, and they got a lot. They got some heavy days ahead of them, but. Um, yeah, it's it's just and it's speaking of fear, fear could be used in many different ways. It does lead to the stuff in Charlottesville, and then mm-hmm. sometimes it leads to uh, a control mechanism to keep people in line. So sure. it goes both ways, right? So, yeah, um, which is why they renamed it Caravan of Courage. Yes, because courage is the greatest thing that the Ewoks ever told me. They, that's what they taught me. Yes, <laughs> I like how we just we just started talking real. Eric. That love and family Eric, are started, the greatest things in the we universe. We started talking real here on Geekscape. <laughs> and Geekscape is I hope you could handle it um, because just like Miles experiencing the eclipse, we're experiencing this in real time too. And I know you guys have been seeing the news and all of this stuff. And uh, hope some prayers to everybody out there in Texas. Uh, many of which are on my Facebook feed, and I can tell who they are because they're posting pictures of their houses with boarded-up windows. Oh. It's pretty intense. Um, so let's talk about your music. In 2010, like, obviously you've been doing music a little bit longer than that. I mean, come on. Like, it is like an overnight <laughs> maestro going on if no, you just no, started yeah. in 2010. I didn't start doing music then. I, I've done music since the late 80s, actually. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I went to the L.A. County High School for, for the Performing Arts, Laksha, mm-hmm. uh, which is over on the uh, East L.A. at the Cal State L.A. campus. And I was in the first class that actually graduated from, that completed the full high school there. And um, we in, we'd have our classes in the morning, then we'd do our arts, like I was in the theater department. Uh-huh. We'd do that in the afternoon, but we'd have a two-hour lunch. So I would go eat, and then I would spend another hour. Down, I would go to the music department and spend another hour in, in the piano rooms, just mm-hmm. playing, just because that's something I, you know. Also, you know, growing up in the industry, you got to have more than one talent. You got to be able to sing. You got to be able to play an instrument, not just act. So, what if I have no talent? <laughs> you seem to have some talent. You have a, <laughs> you have a podcast. So, um, what I learned at Podcast Movement is 
it, a lot of people have podcasts. Well, you know what? <laughs> that's great. That shows that you. That shows that you're open to growing, and that's great. So, um, so, uh, so the piano is what you gravitated towards, exactly. And so I was doing that for about three years. Mm-hmm. And then I convinced my dad to buy me a synthesizer at the time, a keyboard. And this is what year now? This is um, 1988. Okay. Uh huh. Because I graduated in '88, and um, so I started playing around with that. I while we we're in school, I wrote my first song, which they used in in a movement piece, what? which was called "The Shattering." And it's and what's interesting is on my last album, Brand New Day, yeah. I redid "The Shattering," and it's like a rock song. Let me see. Because I, I what did I listen to last night? I listened to uh, you got twelve tracks on here. The one I listened to last night was. Um, was it Brand New Day? What did I? Uh, it was Just For You. Oh, Just it, For You is a new single. It's from, not even on here. It's not on here because it's just a single and I have an album coming out next year. Okay. That's different than this. Can I put the? Can I put Just For You on the end of this episode? Yes. Okay, so sure. Geekscape is... I'm going to put the song on the end of the episode. That's the new single. Uh, Eric Walker Music is where you want to go for the three albums that are out. Right, Eric, ericwalkermusic.com. But and, yeah, Just For You actually features a singer called uh, ACM. Mm-hmm. which is a friend of mine that I've known. I used to take vocal lessons from him in Haiti, so I've known the guy for 30 years, That's too. That's crazy. So, but he sings the track, and he wrote the lyrics, and I, kind of, I wrote the music, and I kind of wrote a few lyrics on the, on the hook on the chorus. But, yeah, it's a great song. So. And I got to tell you, like, so in 12 years, the guests sometimes send me stuff, and some of the music that some of the guests have sent me, I'm not the biggest fan of. Sometimes I go out and find guests music guests because i am a fan of theirs okay and i like clicked on the music last night and i was like let's see what this is all about (laughs) (laughs) and i clicked on it and i was like this is actually really pretty good and what's funny is as i'm reading his bio you've had some success with your music almost right off the bat yeah my first album tangier dream uh went to number 38 in the uk on electronic trucks and it went to like 128 here in the usa and this oh. is in like 2010, 2012, 2011. 2011, 2012. Is, it, at first it started slow and then it picked up. Yeah, That's insane. So you released in 2010. Mm-hmm. And because and it's, I mean, how would you describe this music? Because uh, Geekscape, you'll hear it at the end of the episode, but how would you describe this music? Yeah, well, this music we're talking about is different than my single. But, okay. But uh, it's very much like, uh, it's kind of like, a, uh, I wouldn't say New Age, because New Age makes you think of, you know, Crystals meditation and, and stuff. stuff right. it's, and it's kind of electronic. It's, uh, and, you know, if you th- think back to bands in the past, like uh, some, one of my big mentors was Tanger- Tangerine Dream. Of course. Yeah, so it's kind of, it sounds like them as Jean-Michel Jarre, the composer. In Tangerine Dream, uh, like, that is the definitive soundtrack to Blade Runner. Would you say... Or to remember Legend? No, they Legend, did the Legend. They did starter. the music for yeah. Legend. Uh-huh. The music for Legend, the Tangerine Dream score. Like that, there's been two scores for mm-hmm. Legend. Sure, there has. Mm-hmm. I only accept the Tangerine Dream. One. Yeah, it's the, yeah, they've done a lot of soundtracks over the years, and um, you know, Firestarter, Thief, um, Legend, Risky Business. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Um, a lot of them, Miracle Mile. But uh, they definitely your been, mentor. They're definitely my mentors for sure. Uh, them and Jean-Michel Jarre from France. Mm-hmm. Who uh, uh, was real famous years ago? He did a, the world's largest concert in Houston. What? Speaking of, yeah, when at, remember when the Challenger disaster happened? Of course. Uh, they were supposed to do the first recording in space, uh, and he was going to play the instruments in Houston on the keyboards. And he had a friend on that who was going to play saxophone on the Challenger. Yes, and someone he, on the Challenger was going to yeah. play saxophone. His along name was to this Ron. Uh huh. I forgot his last name, but his name was Ron. Yeah. 
that's a story we don't hear about the Challenger. Yeah. And so on the failed Challenger mission, mm-hmm. it, when it exploded, there was Ron was on that ship? Yes, he was. And they were supposed to do the first recording from space, uh, music recording, yeah, on that. So. That's terrible. It is terrible. And because of it, NASA asked him if he could do a concert. So he did a big concert in celebration of that and the anniversary of NASA at the time. And it was in the Guinness Book of World Records because it was it had a 1.5 million people at the event. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's done two million and three million in Moscow, so he's broken the record. But you know, he's a great artist, and um, he's definitely a mentor. I'd love to work with him one day. Um, and back going back to Tanger- Tangerine Dream, the the founding member of Tangerine Dream unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And on Brand New Day, there's a piece that's called For Edgar, and that's for him. So his name is Edgar. So. You're like a hardcore fan. Yeah, I was, definitely. I still am. Right. So. <laughs> and they're still making music even though he had passed? I, they haven't made anything, but his son, who was also part of Tangerine Dream, he has a, a group out called Loom. How are they? Uh, they're very good. They're very similar. And I think he actually has another artist, Johannes Smelling, which was part of the group joined him too so. so you're rocking like all the synth and everything like how is it um are the are you able to uh perform publicly yeah like live sure sure but i need at least two other keyboards right yeah i can't do it myself because you need multiple keyboards for this exactly that's awesome and a drummer and a bass player. sure you need a full band yeah. you have a full band i do not have a full band but i get you if, a new full band yeah for, for, you know what like the star wars petitions can wait let's do a petition <laughs> <laughs> let's try and get online let's find you a band how are there a million bands petitioning you on facebook and you guys remember myspace like that got out of control yeah. like, how are there so many damn bands we can't get you, we're gonna get you a band okay we gotta get good. you a band i already have one of the other keyboardists already uh-huh. he's a producer i definitely want to bring him along his name is stefan presley and he produces and mixes all my stuff so well, keep in mind you've only been doing this since 2010 like, yeah. you've already got three albums out three albums i'm working on i have my fourth album that's half done i'm going to do a concept album next year when, and when I say concept album, yeah. it's based on a sci-fi novel that I'm writing. Well, all of your, uh, like, if you guys have the albums, if you go on the website, ericwalkermusic.com, like, you're going to see that there's, like, a science fiction element to all of his CDs, like, on the on the album covers. It, like, there's, it's weird looking. There's, a, there's like, a science fiction <laughs> landscapes, pyramids, and strange skies and everything. So you'll see. You'll see when you go and check it out that's awesome definitely thank you um it seems to be going well like you hit the charts it's going well in fact on brand new day one of the songs uh the the shatterings has been doing very well it's like a rock song and has been played on a lot of rock stations even though it's instrumental it's a it's a good jam and, and everybody should check that out for sure well where do you see the state of star wars today because you were there at like almost the nascency of Star Wars. And we talked about Star Wars mm-hmm. Rebels, where I think you've got a good voice. I've heard your music, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Let's, I mean, we just had a voice actress on the show last week. Mm-hmm. Like, we love our voice actors. Um, how do we do that? <laughs> even, hey, I would even, even you know, uh, I was looking online, and I'm friends with Matthew Wood, and he mm-hmm. does all the the loop group on all the Star Wars movies. I'd, I would even, if he asked me to go, I'd go and do some voices in the loop group. Be a stormtrooper. That'd be a doesn't pretty good. Anything. You know that's one of those tie-ins that the geeks would be so I, into. That's what I'm saying. So you Matthew know, like, would call me. The, the geeks <laughs> would be so into it. Have you hit him up on Facebook? Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm just not that kind of person. I think I sent we'll him. We'll do it a, for you. Okay. <laughs> 
Because it just seems like it, it's one of those things that like, you know some website would pick it up and be like, oh, did you know that the 38th Stormtrooper who yells in the background is actually Eric Walker, who yeah, was in the, the Ewok Adventure? And, it was oh my God. the original Mace, right? So uh, now we have a story where Mace becomes a, a Stormtrooper. <laughs> we know that he, it's just a ploy. We know he's still good, and he has parts of the Death Star on him, the second Death Star, and <laughs> it, it, he survived for years in the wilderness of the Endor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now putting my the story is yeah, growing. I know, right? Geekscape is we're getting close to the end of this episode, but you know what? By the end of it, we're gonna have this nut cracked, and we're gonna have a fully fledged Star Wars story. And you guys are gonna have no choice but to petition Disney to make it so. All right, from my voice to yours, into your dreams, go for it. I actually, um, <laughs> Kevin Netsley, if you're listening, uh, I'm sorry, Maggie. Uh, Kevin's my good friend, and he listens to Geekscape as he's going to sleep. Hi, Kevin. And Maggie <laughs> is sleeping next to him, and she's like, I hear your voice before I go to bed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I end up having so So, Maggie, as you go to sleep tonight, listening to my voice, just know that I'm there with you, both of you, <laughs> nuzzled between you. Yeah, getting all cuddly. A threesome that you didn't want. Sleep well, all right. And uh, good luck in your. Don't worry, there won't be any yep nub. And now Eric (laughs) is there too, (laughs) and Lindsay's laughter. Let it carry you into your dreams. Um, Well, this is awesome. Uh, You have some signed Star Wars Ewok Adventure prints. Yes, I do. Got some CDs. Uh, If you guys want your CDs, go to EricWalkerMusic.com, and then. You, you got to do conventions. Do you do conventions? I've sometimes? done a few. I've done a, I've done a few um, in between working and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Europe. I went to Hamburg. I went to London, and that was quite an experience. You know, getting to know everybody. Like I sat right, right next next to Ray Park, oh, Darth Maul. Darth Maul, yeah, nice guy. And then in London, I was right next to David Prowse, and uh, that was nice. And yeah, you know, they're all. You know, it feels like you're with family when you're mm-hmm. with them because we all have something in common. We all worked. We're all part of the family at Lucasfilm. So, right. And the stories. Oh yeah, yeah. They you know. they tell some stories oh. that like are off microphone camera stories yes. or just crazy ones. Do you have one about Lucas that you remember? Because um, he hand selected you for this role. Yeah, he did. He and I was very fortunate. He saw I did a monologue where, which is a very emotional piece, which is actually I I, t- I put it at the end of mm-hmm. that. Uh, my original audition, right uh, at the end of the making of thing. If you want to see my, YouTube, yeah. Yeah, if you want to see my audition for Lucas, um, let me see. Um, I have a few different stories, just some little memories. Like uh, a lot, what a lot of people don't uh, know is that George Lucas. They think George Lucas didn't direct anything until the prequels, but that's not true. Uh, when we were making Caravan of Courage, um, the director had a, another commitment, so he couldn't do the reshoots. So Lucas actually directed me in one week's worth of reshoots. And I even have a call sheet. The first day it said director George Lucas, and I think the the uh, AD got in trouble, and the next day it was off there. So, oh, really? So, but I have proof. So. It's got his contact <laughs> info on there. It didn't have his contact <laughs> info, but it said director George Lucas on it. So, um, but I, I remember we were sitting in the Ewok hut, mm-hmm. and um, you know George has a has a, a beard, of course, and uh, I remember he was giving us some direction, and Aubrey and Miller and I was listening to him, and then I kind of looked down, and he smiled. And I thought I was looking at an Ewok there for a second. Right. <laughs> he's, oh, because like, his beard? I started busting up laughing, you know, because <laughs> his hair was a little bit longer and curly, and he had the beard, and it was like, and, and 
you know, I couldn't tell him why I was laughing, but yeah, <laughs> now, I mean, now he knows. <laughs> yeah, you, you could have. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I mean, were people were people scared around? I mean, were people like kind of watching? Like, because you said you you didn't want to tell him that what you, why you were laughing. Were people kind of like watching themselves around him or being? You know what I mean? Like, was Definitely. It, was, was there an added stress on the on the? I wouldn't say stress, but right. it was a you know Everybody's, you know when he's A-game. on set, everybody's moving a hundred miles an hour. Right, fast. They're moving much faster. Even when he would visit the set, he would come out about once a week when we were making it. The suddenly that day, the set was moving really fast. <laughs> but I mean, everybody just wants to be on their A game. He's a nice guy. No, he's a great guy. Very soft spoken. Almost can't even hear him. He's very kind of oh, humble. Really? Yeah, and um, you know, and he would change things a lot. Like there was a scene, and I wish I had kept it. You mm-hmm. know, the notes. But he actually, rather than have someone type it up, he gave me handwritten notes with a new dialogue. In his handwriting. Oh, so as he would add dialogue, rewrite dialogue, he would Write do it by in the hand. Morning. Yes. He'd be like, good luck reading this. How was his handwriting? Uh, it was passable. I'm, I'm, good, <laughs> I'm, I'm good at reading handwriting, so okay. it was okay for me. But it's a like sign a, of genius if it's messy. It's a little little messy. That's not, a sign not, of genius. Yeah, there you go. He is a genius. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, he's a different type of director. He's very technical, very fast paced. He knows, he knows, sets up his shot really quick. Um, and... Um, He's technical oriented, you know, um, versus the guy who did the uh, Caravan of Courage, John Cordy. Mm-hmm. He's more of an actor's director. And what that is, is that means that the director knows a little bit about acting. They could help you get to an emotion if you need to and stuff like that. And and uh, so there's a very difference difference in the directing style. Mm-hmm. And it's more laid back with John Cordy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what else? Um I could. Uh, I know something happened with my dad and George Lucas. I could bring up and uh, good or bad. It's not bad. Okay, but it, it relates to uh, if you remember, uh, it went viral when George Lucas got really upset about giving his signature and stuff like that. I don't remember that. It just went. Vi- he uh, a bunch of uh, people uh, kind of swarmed him and he, they wanted his autograph sure. and all these things. And he got really upset because most of them, you could tell, were dealers. Right. And they were really fans. on eBay anyway. Yeah. So That's he gross. was upset. And, yeah. And I, would, I don't... You should be. I, I, I 100% agree with that. Right. But it made me remember of a story. My dad had the, the Caravan of Courage script, and we were at the Lucasfilm picnic, the 4th of July party. And he... This is while you guys were making the movie. And making okay. a movie, yeah. Um, and he went into an area where George was sitting and said, would you mind signing this for Eric? And... He kind of looked at my dad, kind of looked, didn't say anything, but kind of snarled, ripped it out of his hand, signed it, and almost threw it back at him. And he kind of did that even then. So he doesn't really like to give autographs, I right, don't think. Right. And that may just be the, who he is. I, I don't blame him if he wants privacy. So Yeah, autographs are weird. Um, mm-hmm. I think now that we all have cameras on our phone, like photos are kind of better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at conventions, sure. people uh, – I just think that they're more personal in mm-hmm. – you can't, fa- you can't fake a photo. You're standing next to it. I mean, I guess you can. Geekscape is you guys are all Photoshop <laughs> pros, and I'm terrible at Photoshop. But um, they seem more personable yeah. to be next to somebody smiling than uh, an autograph, right? Um, right. And so, and, I mean, that's, t- I, you know, nobody knows what it's like to be in George's shoes. Nobody. So nobody. I don't knows? blame him. I'm, I'm, I, my dad wasn't upset. I I just, I just remember him telling me the story and, and it kind of and it re- made me relate to what's going viral now on YouTube. It's like, oh, he still doesn't like to give autographs. Well, right. I don't blame him. You know, some people are private, and that's okay. Yeah, you could, you know what? And you can eBay those fo- those autographs. You, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've, my brother in his pro wrestling, like I've, you know, 
I, uh, Paul won't sign certain things because mm-hmm. he knows they're very evayable. Right. Like like um, toys and belts and things like that. Sure. Like, and so Paul, my brother, tries to uh, autograph things very personally. Uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Like he'll put like a little phrase in there. He'll write your name on there. He'll make sure that your name is on the thing because good luck eBaying that. Mm-hmm. It says your specific name on it, you know? So sure. unless another Eric buys it <laughs> with a C in his name, not a K, like good right. luck. Um, and that's okay, yeah, you know, because totally okay. some, sometimes that's how people, you know, they don't want all that stuff on eBay. And some some of the uh, some of the older Star Wars uh, actors, that's how they make their living. You mm-hmm. know, so, well, Geekscape, this is what we're going to do. After saying all that, I'm going to have Eric sign this print, uh, and we are going to have it at Stanley's LA Comic Con for you guys at the Geekscape booth. Uh, that is coming up Halloween weekend. Maybe Eric will come and join us. At LA, Maybe. it's Halloween weekend. It's okay. Stan Lee's LA Comic Con, and it's a comic convention here at the LA Convention Center. I want to see a lot of you geekscapists there. Our sponsor, Loot Crate, uh, we have a box called the box, the, the Loot Crate Box of Fear and Danger, and it's they they just send me all this stuff. Mystery and danger. Sorry, it's mystery and danger. They send me a lot of stuff. Uh, I do the unboxings on our Geekscape YouTube uh, Facebook channel. So if you guys go to uh, find Geekscape, the official Geekscape page on Facebook, you'll see me unboxing. All the loot crates and anything that I don't want, which is most of it, because my room is getting full, uh, goes in the box, and the box is going to go to LA Comic Con with us, and you guys can have it. Oh, so we we're going to do some giveaways. Uh, what was that Comic Con? LA Comic Con. Stanley's LA Comic Con. You're, oh, okay. you're coming, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay's coming. I just wanted to make sure we made the distinction. Yeah, not San Diego Comic Con. The one coming up here Halloween weekend. Um, and we are going to for one lucky Geekscapist give away this print. And I mean, if that's what you want to sign, yeah, no, no, no. Let's have a giveaway. I okay. love it. Cool, cool. Yeah. And you've got some CDs here. Whatever you want, whatever you want. It's going to be a uh, an Eric Walker giveaway. Um, anything you want to leave with the Geekscapists? Any lasting impressions, stories, or missions? Like, let's get these babies on DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> I I think that's yeah. Let's start a petition for Disney to release these on on Blu-ray. I think they would look wonderful on Blu-ray, and let's make sure we get that two hours of making of footage. Oh yeah, on that'd be there. cool. Yeah, because I have it, and they're welcome to have it. So that's awesome. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, Geekscapists, you guys are Star Wars purists, and these movies do not conflict with any of the Star Wars stuff that's out there now, uh, for sure. Let's start the let's start the petition up. Let's start it right there in the Geekscape Forever Facebook group. Uh, if you guys are coming to the convention, you might be the person who takes this print home. Uh, Eric, dude, thanks for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. It was a, it was a joy, and it was fun, and it was a great, and it was an interesting hour for sure. <laughs> <laughs> dude, good luck and everything. Uh, we'll be in contact, um, and I'm going to be listening to more music. So will you, Geekscapists. Uh, I want to tell you guys again, it's ericwalkermusic.com. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for Geekscape. You'll find us uh, for sure. Tell your friends to subscribe. That will help us out a whole lot. Share us with your friends. And Lindsay can be found online as well at? Uh, it's my full name, Lindsay K. Floyd, K-A-Y. And it's Lindsay, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y. It's, I, I got to shorten that Just up. Just search for it. You'll find her on yeah, Twitter. I'll be out You'll there. You'll find her on Instagram. You'll find her on Facebook. I'm all over the place. She's very stalkable. Um, I am. I am. Public profiles all the way. Okay. Come at me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave you guys with this one. This is uh, Eric's new single. It's called Just For You. Uh, and the it's not off this new album, but the album's out now, Brand New Day. This single is going to be on the next album, but I think you'll enjoy it. We'll see you guys next week, Geekscapists. Here it is. Mm-hmm.
inside The inner essence The inner eye Like an egg that's been scattered A war heart What's inside Like an egg that's been shattered A war heart What's inside It's just for you Yeah, it's just for you Okay. 